Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN, and this is a post-Big Ten Tournament Edition of the Take 10 Podcast, pre-NCA Tournament Edition, where we'll kind of uh, include some Big Ten Tournament content, mix it in with some NCA Tournament preview discussion, and get some pop culture talk in as well that will be bracket-themed with our producer, Colleen Degnan. So Colleen will hand her our Call for the Culture segment, as she usually does. That will be at the end of the show. Before that, we'll have two separate interviews, one from the Big Ten Tournament with former Illini uh, star basketball player Dion Thomas. Dion just recently inducted or uh, announced that he'll be inducted into Illinois Athletics Hall of Fame. So definitely a timely interview. Caught up with Dion at the Big Ten Tournament on Thursday before the Illinois-Iowa game. So any Illinois-Iowa discussion um, that preempted that game where Iowa blew out the Illini, you can disregard. But uh, we got a lot of personal discussion with Dion about his career, about his induction into the Hall of Fame, the honor that that meant to him. And uh, we talked Illini and pro career as well with the fighting Illini all-time scoring leader, Dion Thomas. So... Sandwich between Dion's interview and Colleen's call for the culture segment, we'll have a stat head segment with Harold Shelton. Harold's definitely in a good mood, uh, considering his Michigan State Spartans won not only the Big Ten regular season, but the Big Ten tournament in a thriller this past Sunday at United Center. So we caught up with H, I'll give him a little pat on the back, and then uh, we dive into some uh, deep NCAA tournament discussion with a Big Ten heavy uh, tilt on, on that chatter because obviously we want to figure out who's got the best paths who uh might have gotten screwed a little bit like spartans as good as a mood as h as it was in um obviously a lot of spartan fans and big 10 fans rightfully so are, are a little peeved at michigan state's placement in duke section of the bracket so we get into that get into all the other big 10 teams potential paths in the tournament we kind of put a bow on the big 10 tournament and uh we lump that all into a stat head segment, like I said, with Harold Shelton. So, jam packed episode. We'll get right to it. Um, this week, obviously, is, is probably the best work week of the year if you're a basketball fan or a sports fan, because if you're in a regular office, probably not much is getting done on Thursday and Friday, and you got pretty much the full buffet of hoops going on all weekend. It's just a really fun few weeks coming up. So, since this episode is so packed, we'll jump right into our first guest. As I mentioned, it is. Fighting Illini Hall of Famer Dion Thomas, also a contributor at BTN and the Fighting Illini Radio Network. That interview with Dion starts right now. All right, very pleased to be joined here at the Big Ten Tournament by former Fighting Illini star, currently an analyst on radio for the Illini, being on TV for a Big Ten Network. It's Dion Thomas. Dion, how's it going? It's going good, man. First of all, no former. I'm like my younger brother. He's in the Marines. And one time I told him, former Marines. And he was like, oh, once a Marine, always. always. So once in the line, I always. I'm glad we got that established. <laughs> I will not make the mistake again. Dion, thanks for being here. And before we start, I want to congratulate you on, on being named to the Illinois Athletics Hall of Fame. Um, it's a huge honor. And I'm curious, how did you find out about that uh, nomination? Well, actually, it was they, they tricked me. You know, Josh, um, well, not really Josh, but they, they told me that they wanted me to do a video for fundraising for to help with the new uh, basketball uh, practice facility. So as I walk over to the court and I'm thinking I'm getting wired up to shoot this video, tell how important it is to recruiting to the university, 
Josh comes over with me, Josh Whitman that is, and he says, well, I want to tell you, this really isn't about that. It's to let you know that you're the uh, first member of the you know, 19, uh, 2019 uh, class for the Hall of Fame. And of course, I was in shock. Um, you know, people always tell you that you, you'll be prepared for it because of the things I did in my career and that I still do for the university, but you're never surprised, you're never ready for that. I mean, so I was, I was shocked. I was actually speechless there for a, for a minute and, and didn't really have a whole lot to say outside of how proud I am and, and how happy I was for, for being inducted. So once you regained your, uh, your speech capabilities, who's the first person outside of your family that you told about the honor? Well, I didn't tell anyone because they asked me not to say anything. Oh, okay. Anything. Keep it under wraps. Uh, so I, well, I should not say that because that would be a lie. I told my wife when I got home, but I, I swore her to secrecy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they hadn't admitted, uh, they hadn't announced it to the rest of the um, inductees yet. So he asked that I please keep it um, under wraps. So I did. I just told my wife when I got home and then that's the way it stayed until they announced it a few days later. Okay. So I gotta ask, uh, I think the induction ceremony is coming up this fall, you know, 2019. You gonna wear anything special or are you gonna keep it kind of straight up? You got any, any special wardrobe planned, an orange blazer, anything like no, that? No, man, I'm gonna I'm a do like I always did. I did it when I was a player. You know, Dick Vitale called me the silent assassin because I went out and I basically did my job. Not really flashy kind of guy, you know, minus the, you know, my little pocket square here, but you know, not really a flashy guy, but so no, it'll be kept simple, but tasteful and, and nice. And you said you were in shock when you got uh, the nod. You gonna maybe tear up a little bit during your speech? Or what do you got planned? Um, is it words that'll make you maybe get emotional a little bit? Well, I mean, the things that'll probably get me emotional is really talking about my grandmother. Um, my grandmother is basically who raised me. My mom had my brother and I when she was young. So in her pursuit to finish her education, we spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So my grandparents didn't go to school past the seventh grade. Uh, my mother went as far as to get her associate's degree. Who will be sitting in the will be sitting in the crowd with us. Um, so to be the first one to earn my degree in my family, in that entire family that is, and then to go on, of course, and have the career that I had on the court as well. But to talk about that, to talk about the, the just my upbringing and and how important my grandmother's words to me about I was bigger than the village, that I didn't have to think small but to really think big. And a lot of that really took off when I got to the University of Illinois. That's well said, and, and congrats again. Looking forward to that, that ceremony. And, and reflecting on your career at Illinois, you're obviously a very prolific scorer. You're the uh, leading scorer in program history. I'm just curious, because I wasn't around to see that era of Illinois basketball. How was scoring different in that day and age? And how has your position changed from the early mid-90s? Well, it's, it's totally different. Uh, anytime at that time, if you were taller than six seven, you were a center. Um, so nowadays, you know, you're guarded six seven. The the skill level has just adopted so and has changed so much to adopt with the time. But at that point, you know, the scoring was still difficult. I mean, we had great players at that time. The, the, I think that was one of the heights of the Big Ten. I mean, you had the Fab Five in, in Michigan. You had Calvert Cheney. You had at Indiana. You had the big dog that was uh, at Purdue. Every team had a McDonald's All-American, it seemed. So things were, things were rough. Things were tough. Um, really good coaches, so just like today, you know, that are always going to game plan for your best players. But I had great teammates as well. And our coach, Lou Henson, had great, great game plans as well, which allowed me to be able to do what I did. You're just sitting next to one of those uh, old competitors, Jess Settles, over there yes. in the 
locker room, a lot of wars back then. Um, so I mentioned, obviously, your prolific scoring uh, resume, and, and recently this year, as it was well-documented, Georgie Bashanisvili broke your single-game uh, freshman scoring record of 35 points. He came up to you and apologized for that in a moment that was captured, uh, on I think, on our network. Um, but you also hold another record that I don't think maybe will ever be touched by another Illini, um, the, the scoring record, like we mentioned, of 2,129 points. So I'm just curious to, to get your opinion. Do you think in this era of college basketball, of guys leaving really for the pros, is that a record in Illinois that it could be broken by um, any future Illini down the road? Well, it could be, yes. Will it be is a, is a different question. I mean, and you nailed it right on the head when you talked about just this day and age. I mean, if a young, play, a young player has a good year or maybe two years, they're immediately trying to make that transition to the NBA. And that was one of the things that was different during my time. I mean, bare minimum, you stayed three. I mean, that was the first time I started having conversations about leaving um, Illinois and going to the NBA. I was a junior. I mean, now juniors are considered old, you know, right. in, in college basketball. If they're freshmen, sophomores are leaving. If the rules change the way some predict, now you'll have high schoolers going back to the NBA again. So it's, it's going to be there a while. Um, but I will say this. I hope so. You know, as I told Georgie when he broke the, the single game, the single game record is records are made to be broken. And what I appreciated was the ability to be able to congratulate him the way Eddie Johnson did for me. You know, Eddie Johnson was a player that I watched growing up as he was in the NBA. And he called me the night I broke the record. I mean, and that was a sense of pride, probably for him, but definitely for me, because I got to watch another Chicago native that had gone to the University of Illinois, had an excellent career, and then transitioned to the NBA. And I'd like to be able to do those same things for another player. Yeah, definitely a cool passing the torch moment that we all got to witness. Talked about the decision process of staying, leaving after three years. You eventually obviously stayed four years and then had a long career playing professional basketball overseas and whenever I have guys on that played uh, overseas at all but especially long careers I always want to ask them about experiences that they had over there that might differ might seem odd to basketball fans in the United States Uh, guys will always tell me about maybe not getting paid maybe the fans were on some crazy stuff maybe referees were on some shady stuff I'm wondering if anything jumps out to you when you think back um, as something that would maybe surprise a American basketball fan about how things go on over there. Well, a lot of that is going to be a lot of the same story that I take. Thank God I never really ever had to deal with um, not being paid, with the exception of one time with a team in Turkey, but that's why I never went back to (laughs) Turkey to play. But um, really the fan base and and how uh, fanatical they can be. I mean, you come to a game here, you know, you go to Duke, you you know, you go down and see the Orange Crush or you you see some other rabid uh, fan base, you know, and they don't compare. It's not even close to the way some of the fan bases are and the passions that they found in, in Europe. I mean, I'll give you a story. There was once we went to, when I was playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv, and we went to Istanbul to play Uker, which is one of the top uh, Turkish teams at that time. So we're beating the brakes off of them, <laughs> you know, just to be honest. And mm-hmm. the fans started throwing D batteries out onto the court and throwing M80s, you know, and they're just out there, like, bam, they're blowing up on the floor. Guys are throwing D batteries at us, and the, um, the guards had to come out with riot shields, basically, to escort us off the court. I mean, so that's one of the, that's probably the craziest thing that I have ever, you know, had to deal with. 
I mean, there's a lot of passionate fans in Europe, and I don't want to make them sound like they're all bad, but that was crazy. And, you know, that took place in Turkey, but I never really had any issues, you know, none in Spain. You know, they were passionate, cheered hard, you know, cheered well for their team. Israel, the same thing. I guess another story was kind of strange is when we were uh, saying with Maccabi Tel Aviv and we were playing Panathinaikos in Greece. So as I'm going to close out the game, I'm at the free throw line. One of the fans from Panathinaikos is shaking the, the, the backstop. <laughs> so the rim is, is swaying from side to side. Like at the right. county fair or something. Yeah, and the referee gives me the ball and says, shoot the free throws. And I turn around, look at him. I'm like, dude, look at the rim. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how do you expect me to shoot that? That's awesome. Yeah, the batteries is a new one. I've heard of uh, fans over there throwing, like, coins and stuff, but I knew you'd have some some good ones, especially playing that long. Coins, well, you pick them up for them in your Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's a little tip. Um, right on your Wikipedia page, speaking of your overseas experience, that uh, you became an Israeli citizen. Yes. Is that true? Well, over in Israel. So what went into that? I, I think I talked to, I believe it was Stu Douglas uh, from Michigan, who was, plays in Israel. I think he was either doing the same thing or was thinking about it. So what went into that um, decision and process? Actually, it was really, really weird. Uh, had no intention. My wife is Israeli. Uh, I met my wife in Spain my second year, so that would have been 1997 um, in Spain. So we met and had no intentions really of going to play in Israel. And one morning I get a call from David Blatt. And he says, hey, well, you know, I, I know who you are. Of course, he's from the States, went to Princeton. He was my coach. He was the coach at Maccabi Tel Aviv, assistant coach. So he called me. Well, I, I just wanted to know: Do you want to win championships, or do you want to stay in Spain and continue to get paid? I said, Well, I want to do both. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you're offering an opportunity to do both, then we can talk. And of course, being married to an Israeli, uh, and we had been married. You know, there's so many rules that you have to have and have in place. And I checked all of those boxes, and so they kind of recruited me in Maccabi Tel Aviv, and we're like, well, we can get you this, and then you can play as an American. Um, so that's really how the process started. And when we got there, you know, Maccabi Tel Aviv being who they are, you know, kind of sped up the process. All right, interesting story. Um, then you retired from pro ball, uh, got into coaching for a few years, and then are now obviously in the media. So what was the transition from that side of basketball, you know, as a player and coach, to now analyzing the game as a member of the media? Like, Well, I mean, it's actually been great. Uh, I, I joke with people often, and I tell them that uh, if I had known being on the media side was so much fun, I wouldn't have gone into coaching because I may still have hair. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, it was a great transition for me. Uh, I spent a lot of time, of course, playing um, pretty much all my young life and then to go into coaching for the eight years that, that I was coaching from high school to the JUCO level while I was a head coach and an athletic director and then spent a couple of years at the Division One level you know, I, I changed and decide what well, changed. I re- decided to resign to really get involved more in the community, uh, which didn't really allow me to do that when I was coaching. So making that move, I just happened to talk to Q one day. And Q was like, yeah, you know, you ever think about this? And I was like, well, no, I hadn't. But, you know, he's like, oh, come on in, let's do a screen test and let's see, you know, if you like it, let's see how you, you know, are. And didn't realize how much fun it was and how much I would enjoy it. So really enjoy what I'm doing now and like yourself just working to continue to grow and get better at it. Yeah, Q is uh, Quentin Carter, the senior producer at BTN. Um, curious how you split the Illinois radio obligations with the BTN TV obligations. I'm sure you're used to that I-57 drive by now uh, plenty of times. I mean, you've done it your whole life, I'm sure. So. Right. Well, it's really, it's, it's being honest. Um, that's what I've always been. 
I don't, I'm not afraid to tell the truth. Or, uh, you know, I wasn't ever afraid to tell the truth, even when I was a kid. It got me a couple of whoopings that maybe I shouldn't have told the truth. But, you know, so I've always been a truthful person. So it's really easy. If I have a crit, uh, criticism of Illinois, then I'm going to say it, whether I'm on the radio or whether I'm sitting in the Big Ten office. And that's just the way I look at everything. If I can't be straight and I can't be authentic, then I don't need to be doing this at all. We're sitting right now in the underbelly of the United Center during the Big Ten tournament, and it's an event that is a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite every year. Yes. It's an event that didn't exist when you played. Uh, I'm just curious, as a former player, do you wish it was uh, around when you played? Is this something that you kind of feel like you missed out on? Oh, definitely missed out. I mean, there's a few things that, that are going on today in today's game that I missed out on. AAU, I mean, I would love to be able to travel the way some of these kids do. Um, with their AAU programs, because at that time it wasn't, so we only played within our with our high school and within tournaments, mainly within the state. So to be able to travel outside the states would have been great. But to be able to play in the Big Ten tournament, have an opportunity, if you don't win the regular season tar- uh, championship, to still have an opportunity with a Big Ten tournament championship, I would have loved. Um, because, again, at the time I played, extremely tough to win a Big Ten tournament. Uh, I mean, to win a Big Ten mm. championship. So to have a second chance would have been great. To have been able to continue to play, and, you know, you mentioned the 2,100 points. Might have had about 3,000 yeah. if I was able to play in the tournament. You never know. So we're sitting on Thursday afternoon uh, before Illinois' matchup with Iowa. Obviously, this game carries added significance for you. Um, and for listeners, Illinois fans who are tuning in, they probably know all about that. Uh, so what does Illinois have to do to – not only compete with the Hawkeyes tonight, definitely a lot better than they did last time uh, this season when they got blown out, but to, to win against Iowa. Well, you know, that game, just to, you know, how many times do you go 16 for 21 from the three? I mean, Iowa was on fire that night. It really didn't matter who they had played. They would have probably beat them. So that's going to have to be one of the main things. Iowa's a great three-point shooting team. Illinois has to make sure that they defend the three-point line a lot better than they did before. Normally, their defense allows them to chase people off the three-point line. They're going to have to do that. And then when you have players like Cook inside and Garza, you have to be able to defend the paint. Now, you have to give up one to get the other normally. But they're going to have to contest open jump shots, rebound the basketball, and make it as difficult on Cook and Garza inside as possible. All right, Dan, before I let you go, one more question. Unless Illinois makes a uh, miracle run here, the season will probably end this weekend. So what are the line I have to do to be vastly improved next year enough to make an NCAA tournament? Well, they need to continue to recruit. I mean, any, you know, the, the college basketball business, college sports is about recruiting. I mean, they have Kofi Cockburn coming in next year, high recruit for them. So since they have that one, they have to continue to build and get better guys as they're trying to continue to grow in the league. But the main thing is they have to keep their players there. You can't have the turnover that you had um, in, in um, Underwood's first year because then you're starting over and over and over again, and that's never a good solution. So if they can get I.O. to stay, and he, I hope he will understand that he'll be better next year than he is you know, trying to leave this year, but you never know how that whole thing will go. Keep players together, keep your team together, and have more time with them as you continue to try to learn them and um, the way you want your system to run, the way you want them to play, the way you need them to play, and with the toughness that they play with. All right, Dion. Well, thanks again for taking some time. Really appreciate it. See what happens tonight, and I'll be following your work the rest of the way on Fire Line Radio Network and on BTN. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. 
All right. Thanks once again to Dion for sharing some of his time during that Big Ten tournament. A lot of fun sitting down, chatting with him. We'll move on now to our stat head segment with BTN researcher Harold Shelton. As I mentioned at the top of the show, H and I will take a deep dive into the NCAA tournament bracket and some of the best and worst paths for Big Ten teams as they look to navigate that bracket uh, and get to Minneapolis for the Final Four. So let's get into it. It's an NCAA tournament March Madness edition of the Stathead segment with Harold Shelton. It starts right now. All right, back in the lab with Harold Shelton. And before we even get started, i got to congratulate H because I was standing right next to him on Saturday, or on Sunday, actually, at the United Center as his Michigan State Spartans pulled off the season sweep of Michigan, the season sweep of the, the titles. They got the regular season and tournament championships locked up. H, props to you. Uh, that's a rare season, and uh, I'm sure you're enjoying it. Yeah, that was definitely cool to see. Probably the third coolest thing I've, I've seen since I've been working here, uh, at least in person. Um, the fact that they were able to get the double, you know, first team to do that since Wisconsin four years ago, you know, it's kind of a rare thing, and to do it against the rival, you know, icing on the cake. Yeah, and as a Spartan alum, as we've talked about in depth on this show, I really want to get your insight on why this particular Michigan State team gives Michigan fits. Because watching those three games, I saw a pattern, and I'm sure you know everyone else kind of saw it too, that Michigan looked pretty good for a large chunk of each of those games and then hit a wall or stalled or went to a shooting slump at certain points in each of the, it kind of got progressively later in each one, but still was enough time for Michigan State to, to get in gear and ultimately pull out the victory. Why do you think this Spartan team is such a bad matchup for what is a very good Michigan team but just couldn't get over the hump this year against them? Xavier Tillman. I think he is the number one reason why he disrupts everything that Michigan wants to do offensively. They can switch a bunch of things on defense when he's in. Uh, you know, normally when Michigan runs ball screens, Michigan State bigs usually hedge and try to get back to their man. This year they were able to do a lot of switching. Tillman could stay out on the guard and not get beat and still put enough pressure on the passer where they couldn't get the ball inside the Teske on a, on a mismatch. So I think he was been, he's been a big reason why uh, the second game we saw all of the block shots he had against Simpson around the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this game on Sunday, they were plus 14 when he was on the court. I mean, they were up six when he got his second foul. Michigan went up eight at the half. He comes back in, kind of solidifies everything on defense, and Michigan State makes the run. And kind of to your point, it's been the final 15 minutes of the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan was plus 22 in the first 25 minutes combined in the first three games. After that, Michigan State outscored them 104-58 in the final 15 minutes of all three games. I rebounded them by 30 in that stretch. Michigan State got pretty much any shot they wanted, shot around 54% in those three games in that final stretch. So it, it definitely lived up to the script once again. It's tough for a Michigan fan this year. I mean, this is like the spoils of success, and it's you know hard to even relate as fans of teams in many sports that don't even get to big games like that. But as a Michigan fan, you know you've had these very good teams this year in football and basketball. But ultimately, you know you lose to Ohio State in football, get blown out, lose three times your rival in basketball. Like it, it's got to be a tough feeling. I don't know. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it it's weird though, and 
you know, the basketball side, this is what makes a rivalry great, yeah. right? Like when North Carolina and Duke play, you don't know who's going to win. You know, for one year, one team will get an advantage like Michigan had last year. Michigan beat Michigan State twice when Michigan State was the heavy favorite in both games. And this year they were kind of seen as even, and Michigan State made just enough plays down the stretch. And so you kind of have this back and forth, and, you know, credit to John Beeline for getting that Michigan program to that level, and who knows what it will be like next year. Again, uh, plenty of fans of college sports programs would change place in a second with Michigan. Like, it's not Uh, like that's anything to – Nothing to uh, despair about. Yeah, good spot. Um, also learned something new on Sunday. I found out what Tom Izzo's son looks like. Uh, I tweeted a video of a, of a young man kind of tearing up, crying at the emotion of winning on the post-game celebration, the aftermath of everything, and tweeted it out. I was like, hey, I don't know who this guy is. I knew someone would finally t- like eventually tell me, but I didn't realize it would be Tom Izzo's son, so I learned that. from Be- uh, The beauty your, of Twitter. There you go, beauty of Twitter. <laughs> so I won't make that, that mistake again. Uh, but it was a cool moment for him, and it was cool to see – just on the court being uh, kind of in that little celebration, the genuine, you know, look like brotherhood and camaraderie that the Spartans have. I mean, they were going up to Kyle Arns after his injury, congratulating him. They're all celebrating together. It's an easy team to root for. I, don't, I mean, even as a fa- not a fan of the team, I can't imagine as, as like uh, a fan like you are how easy this group is to root for. I don't know where that they rank among some of your favorite teams ever. This might be the most mentally tough team he's had. Um... I don't think they're as talented, you know, physically as some others. Like, they weren't as talented as last year, but the pieces seem to fit better this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of that has to do with the seniors playing their best ball. You know, Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid, um, they've just kind of figured it out, and it's been next man up. When Langford goes out, then it's Aaron Henry who steps in. When Nick Ward goes out, it's Xavier Tillman who steps in. And, you know, they kind of have, you know, one goal, one focus, and – they, for whatever reason, they keep finding a way. Yeah, and shout out to Matt McQuaid because I've been kind of waiting on him to prove something since that Syracuse game last year in the tournament where they lost, and I think he had three points, and it was on that lucky bank three at the end of the half. And he really stepped up, I mean, 27 in, in such a big stage, especially when they needed it. They needed every one of them. Yeah, so. good time for a career high. I still don't know how he wasn't on the all-tournament team. but I Yeah, I know. That's a gripe that a lot of uh, fans have had I've seen. Um, before we move on to – the NCAA tournament, and we can transition into Michigan State's seeding there. So I want to get your thoughts overall quickly on the tournament as a whole. What do you think of the 14 games over the last uh, five days last week at United Center? So I thought the Thursday group was, was a pretty pretty fun session. It was cool to see Nebraska win two games to get mm-hmm. to Friday. It's kind of continued to trend where it seems like every team that starts on Wednesday gets a couple games, right. and, you know, you got a, a mini Cinderella run unfortunately they weren't able to take it one more step mm-hmm. we still haven't seen a team start on Wednesday and get to Saturday I feel like at some point that'll probably happen right but you know after the the Saturday blowouts it was nice to have like kind of a classic championship game and I thought Thursday for the most part was was pretty good you know outside of the, the Iowa game um we even got a good start on Wednesday with, you know, Illinois Northwestern mm-hmm. going to OT. It was some good energy in the crowd. You had Tim Miles and his antics for the first two days. So, all in all, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Tim Miles falling on Wednesday and tripping and that clip going viral. It was, it was weird knowing, like, nothing, at least from a quirky vantage point, would top that the rest of the week. Absolutely. So that was hilarious. Yeah, it was a decent tournament overall, I thought. Um, there weren't any buzzer beaters, which we've seen in the past uh, several years have been – sort of commonplace um there were a handful of 10 to 20 point 
games, and, and like you said, there were a couple close games, the OT games at Illinois Northwestern, Penn State, Minnesota. Those were fun. But I really do think that Michigan, Michigan State saved it and ended up making it a good tournament, a very solid, entertaining tournament overall because that was a thriller. I don't, like, I don't know where that ranks for you among um, games you've seen in person. That For me, that was like – probably top five yeah definitely top five for things i've seen in person i was trying to just figure out you know the btn era what the best big 10 30 title games are and it's probably that one uh wisconsin michigan state from 15 that went to ot mm-hmm. and probably ohio state michigan state in 12 those are probably the, the three that stand out to me the most all right we'll move forward now we spent eight minutes talking about the past let's spend the next 12 or 15 or so talking about what lies ahead and uh, we were still out in the court. I don't know about you, but I was still out there when they announced um, on Sunday the seating for the Spartans, and most of the team, I think, was still cutting the nets down, so they didn't even get to watch or, or see on TV. And I think that kind of highlights a talking point that people have about the Big Ten playing their tournament game on Sunday, leading up into the CBS selection show. And it's it's even more at the forefront of everyone's minds now because – People think Michigan State got screwed with a two seed in number one seed Duke's bracket, and there's you know a couple different ways you can look at this. I know Mike DeCourcy of BTN wrote a article for the Sporting News saying that the committee did it because of geography and and a, diff, a 120 mile difference between DC and Kansas City. They ended up putting Michigan State in the closer bracket and hurting the ended up hurting them with uh, the Duke matchup. Also, I think you have a couple other you know, ideas of what might have been going through the committee's minds. So first off, do you think Michigan State really did get screwed? And what do you think the reason is? And are there potential fixes? Um, I was wondering if they would get a one. I didn't think they would, but I thought they had a shot at it. At worst, I thought they'd be the top two seed, and they weren't. Um, I was a little surprised to hear the committee's rationale behind that, saying that you know the title game did help them jump Kentucky to get to that number six spot overall, but that their body of work wasn't good enough to pass Tennessee, mm-hmm. which I thought was strange considering that Michigan State leads the nation in quad one wins. They had four more than Tennessee. They had four more quad one and two wins than Tennessee. They won the regular season and the Big Ten tournament. Tennessee didn't win either of their mm-hmm. tournament or regular season uh, titles. Tennessee had better losses, I guess if you want to say that. Michigan State did have, you know, three losses to teams that didn't make the field. But if that's what we're determining is better body of work, that's uh, it's a very loose way of saying it, I right. guess. Um, the ge- I think Mike was right on point with the geography part. I'd much rather prefer a balanced bracket as opposed to, hey, this team is 10-hour drive away as opposed to 12 or like it's a 22 minute difference in flight time yep. like i feel like common sense should kind of matter there um you could have easily just put them in the midwest and flipped them in kentucky i think that would have probably been more fair um but you know i think the draw leading up to the elite eight isn't as bad but to get stuck with the top overall seed it's a donner yep and you never know what do i feel like they're the type of team just like anyone in the tournament that can be beat by a barrage of threes. Any team can get hot. So you, you might not end up, if Michigan State makes it that far, having to face them. Uh, I also am not totally sold on Duke's just leadership in the games, the games they've lost that I've seen. Everyone kind of looks Barrett. around. and Yeah, a lot of R.J. Barrett, people standing around waiting for one guy to do something. So maybe their youth gets the better of them. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, obviously not, not an easy 
path for the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, what about Michigan's path? I mean, obviously they had a favorable one last year, and, and it paid off. They took advantage of it and made it to the Final Four. Do you think their uh, path is favorable or at least manageable for the Wolverines the next few weeks here? It's very similar to last year. They were three in the West, and they opened with Montana. Mm-hmm. They had Gonzaga and Florida State on the top side. You look at it this year. Two seed in the West, playing Montana, Gonzaga and Florida State on the top side. See, I, was, I was busy during the show, and I didn't realize they're playing Montana again. That's crazy. <laughs> like, okay. It, it I looks saw the very State, similar. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fact that they were the weakest number two in the committee's eyes and got matched up with the weakest number one, I mm-hmm. think, is favorable for them. Um, you know, they probably wouldn't see Michigan State the rest of the way unless they somehow met in Minneapolis. So, you know, they don't have to worry about you know, facing the Spartans. I don't think they put... Oh, that'd be crazy. Uh, I think kind of similar to last year where their first two rounds could be really tough, or first three rounds could be really tough. Uh, Texas Tech, I think, if they played them in the Sweet 16, that's, you know, those are the top two teams defensively in the nation, according to Ken Palm. Mm -hmm. So you might get a rock fight there. Uh, Nevada's got some pros, you know, so I think... You know, that would definitely be an interesting contrast of styles if they met in the second round. But it's kind of hard to bet against Michigan in March with John Beeline, you know, leading the way. Right. I mean, they've got 16 wins over the last six years, which is tied for most of any team in the country, NCAA tourney time. So, I mean, the resume speaks for itself. How about the south region of the bracket that has three Big Ten teams in it? What do you think of Wisconsin, Purdue? And Iowa's been struggling, but what do you think of just that region? I don't. I mean, what trip? Purdue up last year was just the athleticism of Texas Tech. Um, that was Tech, right? Not name. Yeah, Tech. Okay, tech, yeah. yeah. So I mean, and just I feel like historically they kind of struggle with with length and speed. Virginia is not necessarily that. Tennessee's got some athletes in that region. What do you think about the potential of those three teams making any amount of noise in, uh, in that region? I think a lot of it depends on the health of Carson Edwards. I mean, we kind of saw him limping around mm-hmm. during. The uh, Minnesota game on Friday, you know, he was getting stretched out on the sideline. It seemed like it was a lower back issue. Um, so if he's healthy, I think they've got a chance to get to the second weekend again. They've done it the last two years. So I think they have a chance to do so again. Tennessee, Rick Barnes, NCAA tournament, not quite great. Right. So if they're able to get to the second weekend, I think that's a, a game they can win. However, playing Villanova in the second round three hours away yeah. from campus, not necessarily a great draw to you know for a top 12 overall team. That's a gritty, grindy region there. I mean, Virginia, Kansas State, Wisconsin. It's a very slow Purdue, pace region. Yeah, very slow pace. And then just looking down the bracket, I, like nothing to do with the Big Ten here, but looking at the one through five or six here, North Carolina, Kentucky, Houston with uh, our guy – um, Kelvin Sampson, mm-hmm. Auburn uh, at five, Kansas at four. I mean, that's kind of a that's like the all FBI cloud lingering region right there. <laughs> I mean, that's a, I wonder if that was done intentionally. Good question, and I, I mean, it's yeah, that would be a very interesting regional too. I mean, that's in Kansas City, Iowa State's the six. They're very dangerous. They just won the Big Twelve tournament in KC. Mm-hmm. If Kansas is able to get there in KC, that could be a huge home crowd advantage. Obviously, Kentucky travels everywhere. So, I mean, if they, if you had some kind of grouping of Kentucky, Iowa State, Kansas, North Carolina, you might want to move that game to Arrowhead because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the tickets, the ticket sale could be through the roof <laughs> yeah. on that. That that has its potential to be a very very fun regional. 
I feel like outside the Big Ten, a lot of people like Maryland's chances. I've heard some multiple podcasts um, when asked about sleepers, Maryland is one that's brought up. I don't know if you see any favorable matchups throughout the teams we haven't talked about yet, um, or if you're worried about any any Big Ten teams that are in. I mean, we've got eight in this year, which is Big Ten record. It's double the amount the Big Ten had last year, so I think no matter what, it's a good outcome. But uh, what are your thoughts on some of the teams that we haven't really brought up yet? Uh, I think Maryland is interesting, especially if they can get to the Sweet 16. I mean, they're in the East Region, which is in D.C., yep. which would be 12 miles from campus. I think they'd have quite the advantage there if they were able to win two games. Uh, the fact that they're playing the winner of the Belmont Temple game is kind of a disadvantage because you don't really know right. who to prepare for. I, I would assume Belmont will win that game, but you don't know. Uh, the problem with Maryland is they have a tendency to turn the ball over a lot, and that just burns you in tournament play. And just not show up sometimes. Yeah, like some, I mean, it, it was a complete no-show against yeah. Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, Penn they, State, too, in yeah. the, early in the season. Yeah, they've had a few of those. And so I, I like their talent. I like their bigs. I just don't trust them to necessarily get to the Sweet 16. But if they were to able, if they were able to get by that first game, you play an LSU team without a coach, mm-hmm. and I think that could be very advantageous yep. in, the, in the short turnaround situation. What about the Patino Bowl, Minnesota and Louisville? That'll be fascinating. That'll be fun. The question is, does Rick Patino come back to this game? Is he sitting behind? How can he not? The you Minnesota know? <laughs> bench. You know, does he giving you know some inside information on some of the players that are there? I mean, it's a very fascinating thing. But it's interesting the winner of that game. I mean, if Michigan State wins, you're going to get a guaranteed rematch. Yep. You know, Louisville beat Michigan State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and Michigan State Minnesota played you know just a month ago in East Lansing. So it's just a weird bracket. Really weird in the sense that you could potentially have Michigan State facing Minnesota and Maryland in back to back games. Isn't that or is that how? Yeah, yep. that's how it plays out, right? Yep. Yeah, that's. Uh, I can't ever remember something like that happening. Yeah, and again, I don't understand why you couldn't just flip one team from the east to the to the west mm-hmm. and one team from the south to the midwest. You have three Big Ten teams in the east, three in the south, and one in the other two regions. Just balance it out like they used to. You know, they made sure that you couldn't play, you know, a conference opponent before the elite right. eight when you didn't, you know, before the Big East had like 11 teams or whatever it yep. was. That's how they used to do it. I kind of wish they went, they'd go back to that. I mean, you've already played 23 Big Ten teams, and you might have to play two more, you know, it's before you even get to the lead day. It's a lot. So before we wrap up, H, I want to highlight something from your note packet you sent, I believe this morning, um, kind of breaking down the entire NCAA tournament field with the focus on Big Ten teams. And... You pointed out, this is where we get uh, even more into the weeds analytically here, um, the tendencies of Final Four teams and national champions and how they line up historically as far as their offensive and defensive efficiencies go. So you used those stats as an indicator and kind of linked it to the last 17 champions in NCAA basketball. There's some strong trends there, so if you could elaborate on that, that would be awesome. Yeah, so leave it was the 12 of the last 17 champs ranked in the top 25 in offensive and defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's possible to still win a championship without having an elite defense, but you still need to be good at it. Right. Because 16 of the last 17 champs have been in the top 20 offensively, including Villanova last year, which was number one overall, and we saw – 
how they play in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They blew through everybody. So if you have an elite offense and a really, really good defense, you've got a really good chance. And Michigan and Michigan State both have that. They both fall into that category. I believe all four one seeds are in that category. Um, I want to say Texas Tech maybe in that category. But it's it's an elite group. Uh, Purdue at least is in you know the top 20 offensively. Iowa is as well. I think that lack of defense might haunt them. I think they're 115th in defense, so they might not be around for for too long. But those top teams, they rank highly in those categories, so I wouldn't be shocked if the Michigan schools made a run. Wasn't the only outlier like UConn or something like that? In the past? Yeah, I want to say it was the Duke 2015 team didn't really play good defense uh, for a while, and then they found it in the tournament okay. with Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones. I think they were – outside the top 50 uh, in defense. And UConn, I think the year they won it, were, they were like 80th in offense. Right. But it's got hot. Got hot, you know, got the right draw. You know, that was a team that should have lost in the first round mm-hmm. and went to OT with St. Joe's and then found a way to win the whole thing. You know, Shabazz got hot, and that was that. That's always why, you know, if I'm rooting for a team and people are like, oh, it, would the NIT be better to get more experience? Like, no, you never know what can happen, you yep. know, getting in the tournament. So just got to get in and see what kind of noise you can make. Uh, H, a lot of good stuff. Uh, unless something catastrophic happens and every single Big Ten team loses uh, this weekend and drops out, we'll continue to circle back and talk tournament as far as uh, the season takes us. Sounds good. I mean, we've had a couple teams make the Sweet 16 every year for like the last 10 years or so, so I have a feeling I'll be back on next Yeah, week. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen. All right, man, appreciate it. No problem. All right, thanks as always to H for joining us. A lot of good stuff, and hopefully it's not the last time we talked to him this year. Um, so Big Ten teams advance. We'll definitely get him back on and, and continue to talk as far as Big Ten teams proceed in the tournament. All right, last segment coming up. It's our Call for the Culture segment. If you haven't listened to the show before, our producer, Colleen Degnan, jumps on to talk about the intersection of sports and pop culture and kind of everything that uh, is around the edges of, of laid-back sports talk. And this time, you know, sticking with the theme like everyone else does this time of year, we're going to do a special bracket edition that doesn't involve sports, but we will uh, explain it as we get into the show here. I think you'll enjoy it, and it's going to hopefully generate some good discussion. So, Call for the Culture with a special March Madness bracket theme starts right now. All right, we're back with another Call for the Culture segment. Alex Rue here alongside Colleen Degnan. Colleen, how you feeling? Nice uh, weather outside, nice warm temps. What's up? Asking me about the weather. Talking about the weather. <laughs> well, Small happy, talk. happy first day of spring. Yes, first day of spring. It's I, so exciting. Well, I told you how much I enjoy this time of year because one, you know, I like summer, but it's sweating season in summer. I'm a big sweater, so I like the cooler temps most of the time. Basketball is going to be sick the next three weeks especially this weekend it's my favorite weekend of basketball of the year I'm not alone there and uh it's a lot less hectic around the office right now because last week was crazy with the big 10 tournament so I don't know how you're feeling but I'm feeling great it, I mean last week was awesome I mean you got to go to every single session can you give us some fun stories sure um I went reactions to, takeaways yeah I went to every game of the big 10 tournament um it was a lot of fun there were some duds some dog games but couldn't have ended better with Michigan Michigan State. Harold and I talked in depth about it uh, in the last interview, and just the atmosphere 
on Sunday with both fan bases, Michigan and Michigan State. Intense. Yeah, I mean, people joke that the United Center hasn't seen this good of a crowd in a long time because the Bulls have been so bad. And it's, it's, I'm sure it's true. I mean, Blackhawks have been good for a while, but it was a really fun you know, college atmosphere just with two great fan bases that are, I'm sure, a good chunk of it local. I mean, they have for huge sure. alumni bases here in Chicago. You were there. I was there. As a fan. So I was working. How, did, how was it from the stands? Um, it was great. It, at first, I went into it feeling no pressure because mm-hmm. my beloved Badgers did not make it to the final day. But in natural competitive spirit, I found myself getting very stressed out during the game. Were you rooting for anyone in particular on Sunday? I think I ended up wanting Michigan State to win, mostly because I didn't want Michigan to come away with their third championship title. Yeah, we had a couple of three-peats there. Like, it was either going to be Michigan's three-peat in the Big Ten tournament or Michigan State's three-peat sweeping Michigan this year. Very true. So... Spartans got it done. That was fun. Uh, I talked with H about this as well, but I wanted to bring you into this because it was funny. Um, After the game, I tweeted a video of a guy in the court kind of crying. Yes. Did you see that? I saw that, and you you ended up finding out that's Izzo's son? Yeah. Right away, people were like, that's Izzo's son. I knew people would know. Like, I I retweeted it from the Michigan State MBTN Twitter account, so I knew somebody would know who that was because the guy was on the court. He was tearing up. How emotional and sweet. It was cool. Like, that's what I like about college sports especially because that emotion – I think is more likely to come out when people have put, you know, their invested sort of feelings into a team, obviously, like he has. Right. Um, and being his son, you understand why that emotion was so strong. I figured it was maybe like a manager or something who had worked for a senior manager or something like that. But no, fans let me know real quick. And <laughs> most of them were, were good natured about Twitter. it. Uh, I don't know if you saw the one guy's reply, though, who... I was lucky I didn't block him. Did you see? The no, one, I didn't the see one it. Sarcastic guy. He's like, "That's Izzo's son. How do you work at BTN?" Oh my and gosh! I, and I, you know, sometimes I'll ignore people like that. Sometimes it's fun to toy with them a little bit. So I responded quickly. You know, a little heated. I was like, "Believe it or not, I don't know every single coach's kid in the Big Ten. <laughs> that would be 28 <laughs> coaches across football and basketball having to memorize every single." Uh, child of a Big Ten coach. I know some just because I've seen them or we've done pieces on them in the past. We'll put the summer interns on this. Yeah, but, I mean, when I interviewed for the job, one of the questions from my bosses were not, name every coach's kid and here's a picture, pick them out of a lineup. So, Twitter trolls, um, you know, I, I welcome you guys. It's fine. It happens every once in a while. I probably maybe should have known who Izzo's son was, but... That's okay. Yeah, I definitely don't. It was a nice little surprise. No, you had cool. a long weekend. You was, had a busy weekend. Yeah, it was cool. And it was a cool video. So that's, I guess, my takeaway. Um, yeah, but now it's leading us into... Well, also, how about St. Patrick's Day weekend lining up with it? Like, it was True. pretty crazy. Gorgeous weather, yeah, surprisingly. Sa- Saturday was awesome. It didn't hurt the crowds at all, I don't think. I think the crowds were, were lively just because of the weekend. I totally forgot that Sunday was St. Patrick's Day. Same. I, like, went to go see the river with one of my girlfriends, and I was like, wow, it's still green, and there's so many people wearing green. And then I felt highly ignorant because it was St. Patrick's Day. It literally took Sunday. me till Sunday morning to remember that, like, Saturday wasn't St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I know. Because, yeah, like you said, the parade, the, the river, all that. But the foot traffic was great, and it was so nice out. Walked everywhere in the West Loop, walked to the United Center. Nice. It was beautiful. Cool. But, yeah, so that's bringing us into the madness that is March. Absolutely. And... We should definitely, before we move on to some of our bracket stuff, touch on a recurring segment, something, <laughs> that, you've, something you've introduced, um, even though I feel like, you know, in the past, most people didn't love ads, you know, it was kind of like a change the channel thing when commercials came on, 
I feel like they're trying to they're trying to be now. more integrated, more friendly to consumers. They're very so you're hip. doing your ad of the week, right? So what what's I also think on? they're timely. You're, we're gonna look back in a decade and remember things by their ads. Just so, saying. I mean just like we look back a decade ago, twenty years ago and remember the Chihuahua from Taco Bell. Exactly. It can resonate. It's your plug for your favorite fast food place too. I got T-Bell. some ta- I got some Taco Bell um after the Thursday games I got delivered. Oh my god. Late you, night. The fact you could deliver it okay. late night. Not the point. Moving on. But, um, yes, so out of the week is the March Madness ad by DDB. It's the Capital One Bracket Buddy featuring Charles Barkley and Larry Bird and Samuel L. Jackson, Spike Lee. And it's just like a play on their last names with their little good luck charm pets. Okay. So very creative. Good way to tie it in. Good job, DDB. But more I, so. I haven't seen this one yet. Is oh, it's it, really funny. It funny? It's I, good. I've heard about it because on the radio I was listening to sports talk radio in Chicago, and they they brought it up and how it was a great ad, but also how like Larry Bird clearly was just like mailing it in just for the yeah. check, like he you know Charles Barkley. He's got some character to him. I'm sure Spike Lee. I still have to see it though. So that's it's one good. To check out. But mi- mostly, do you are you superstitious? Do you have some good luck charms? Superstitious? Um, no, not really. I'm really? really not. I'm not. I'm just like. I believe in uh, logic, reason. True, you're the cynic of the office. Yeah. You're always putting my teams down, putting yeah. your own teams I mean, down. I don't have any special sort of like pair of underwear, like socks that I wear if I need good luck. Um, just like for this podcast, I believe that preparation is the best. <laughs> We're really hard <laughs> workers here. Well, okay, yeah. unlike you, I'm highly superstitious. Okay, so. And perfect example, my roommate and her family took me to Game 5 of the Cubs World Series. Mm. Back in the day, in 2016. Yep. And once we went to that game, our outfits remained the same the rest of the series. Literally could not wash what we had on. Same hairstyles, same hats, double flannels, my same three-quarter sleeve, Ryan Sandberg jersey, okay. jean jacket, red Converse high tops. And it got me pretty far. It's a little weird. I'm not going to... A little weird. I know more people are more... Just... No, no, no. It's not unique. I mean, a ton of people do that type of stuff. But uh, I'm not going to give you any credit for the Cubs winning the World Series that year, but it's nice that you felt like you had a part in it. Again, let's plug Alec being a cynic and not giving in to my fun antics. Hey, I'm just saying uh, hard work beats luck and talent beats okay, luck. Okay, so okay, okay. I don't have any superstitions. Um, you know, I'll gladly dropkick a mirror while walking through a ladder. Like, I don't care. So Maybe your little down-in-the-out attitude right now is because not only is it March Madness, but... Mercury is currently in retrograde, and people need to embrace this. Mercury is in retrograde. What does that mean? I feel okay. like it's a saying. No, well, it's a, it's actually an astrological scientific happening right now. Like the moon? So, well, Mercury's a planet. Maybe you should no, I know, but it's like, great no, I know what I know the planets. I'm saying, is it like have to do with the tides and the moon and stuff like okay, that? Okay, so like pretty much right now, Mercury Mercury goes into retrograde three times a year. So the planet Mercury, we're not talking about like the Mercury that goes in a thermometer. No. Okay. No, no, no. This is the planet, and it's just it looks like it's going backwards, but that's just its continual revolutions or whatever around the sun. What does retrograde mean? Just like retreating. That, that's going backwards. Receding? So this happens three times a year, and during this period, so it's happening from March 5th till March 28th. Okay. And pretty much everything's in disarray. Communication is off. Technology could be failing you. Like actually because like it messes up satellites and stuff? Or is this just like superstitious too? It's not superstitious. This is proven by astrology. Okay. So what I don't understand about astrology, and I know we have some people in the office, like even close to sit by me, we'll talk about it, with the signs and the horoscopes and all that. Are you a believer in that stuff? I love it. I identify as a Libra so wholeheartedly. Okay. I'm balanced. Well, I try to be. So apologies to anyone who believes in 
the astrology kind of, I don't, I don't know, voodoo, magic. It's not it, voodoo or anyway, magic. Well, it's basically, the people that write it, I feel like I could be a horoscope writer because basically you're writing fortune cookies. No, you're for, not. Yes, because it, it, it's broad enough where it can apply to everyone. And, you know, it's just narrow enough as well that you make the reader think they're special. So I'm trying to think of an example like, you know, good things will come in your professional life. Okay, you're just reading bad Panda Express fortune cookies. Okay, so t- give me an example of when this has worked out for you then. Okay, well, I'm not saying, I'm saying right now everything's in disarray. Communication is bad. You shouldn't make any abrupt decisions. Everything's off, abrupt which decisions. is just perfect well, timing. we have to make a lot of abrupt decisions because we have to pick our brackets. Okay, yes, but what I'm getting at is that it's falling very timely with a very maniac month. Okay, Mar- yeah. Okay, but I, also, I, I bet there's a lot of I, people out there that A, are superstitious, but B, also believe in Mercury I just being got that connection. You're trying to link that in with March Madness. I got okay, it. Yeah. Makes sense, We're, kind of. You need a coffee. Kind of makes sense. Okay. That's good because I mentioned you literally wrote here abrupt decisions. <laughs> we have to make a lot of abrupt decisions coming up because since it's March Madness. Which is also trademarked. So should we come up with our own thing? Should we call it like... The men's basketball term. We're going to be like a, a cheap Maniac bar. Maniac March. Well, like a bar. <laughs> a, you know how the bars and, and companies always have to like, if they want to advertise that they have the games on, they can't use March Madness because CBS owns it. So they're like, yeah. watch the men's basketball big games here. What would you like to rename it? We should rename it for the sake of the pod. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. I feel like every single, like I said, company has tried to like rebrand it and it always sounds like really corny. So we're not corny. We have to. We do have to think of a name for what we're about to do, though, because every um, buddy, obviously listening, probably has filled out a bracket we're or multiple, probably a yeah, lot. Yeah, multiple. Everyone's probably in some sort of little, you know, competition with their friends or office or whatever, and that's the basketball bracket. Another common thing to do this time of year is to fill out a bracket of things not related to basketball or things that are not the field of sixty-eight teams that are in it right now but you know some sort of competition that you want to compare whether it be foods or hobbies or any sort of historical thing that you want to kind of face off against each other either by debate votes whatever and Colleen and I are no different we're going to make our own bracket and we tossed around what we wanted to, to put in the bracket and settled on one that we think can be pretty broad but also um, Brings up a lot highly, of room for debate. Highly engaging, yeah. So, Colleen, fill us in. Tell the people what our bracket's going to be uh, comprised of. So we have comprised an Alex Rowe and Colleen Degnan bracket of complete bias towards cities. In their U.S. cities, <laughs> yes. U.S. cities. I think I like to think we're both pretty well-traveled, you know. You're from the West Coast, uh, Southern California. I'm from the Midwest, but luckily I've been to most of these places, so I, I can speak to it a little bit. Um and basically, we're doing a 16-city bracket that we'll do throughout the next couple episodes. And today, we will seed the cities and then go through the first round. And we're going to definitely like tweet out the bracket, maybe put it on our IG stories. Maybe we'll get some engagement. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we have... Kind you can of a, see Alex's poor penmanship. Yeah, hopefully we have a broad listenership. And yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I drew it. The marker wasn't great either. It's got some squiggles. Okay, don't blame the pencil. And some faded lines. But yeah... We'll get into it, and let's start right off the bat with um, these 16 cities that are going to be in the bracket, and then we can kind of talk through and see them. So, Colleen, there's your list. Let's read them out, and then we can decide where they fall. We'll do four number one seeds, four twos, four threes, and four fours, and kind of pair it up. Okay. Should I, do you want me to go for it? Yeah, let's just... Run, I'm going to run through them all slightly quickly. You're going to hear these a lot. We got New York, Chicago, 
LA, Boston, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Seattle, Indianapolis, DC, Vegas, Atlanta, Austin, Miami, Denver, New Orleans, Dallas, and in true fitting, should we name the bonus? Yeah, we have first four out as well because we couldn't decide. There's so many great cities in the U.S. Uh, Coming from our great bias based upon nature, food, sports, and activities. Yeah, we thought we should have a first four out category. So the first four out, sorry to the residents of uh, these great cities, but can't include everyone. Nashville, Phoenix, Minneapolis, and Milwaukee will not be winning, but they, they deserve an honorable mention, I think. So, yeah. I mean, Minneapolis with the fir- with the final four. In a Big Ten city. A Big Ten great, city. Great city for sure. It's just a little cold. It is cold. I'm not going to disparage it. It's just, no. It just you know, didn't make somebody, it. Somebody, not but we, wanted, make it, so. we wanted to give a nice little shout out. All right. So, yeah, like you said, it's very subjective. Um, it'll be some comment. There's no point system or anything. We're just going to talk it through. <laughs> um, so, let's go ahead and decide our seeds real quick. I think... For our four number one seeds, um, the big three have to be in it, right? New York, Chicago, L.A. Those are kind of the, uh, you know, West Coast, Midwest, and East Coast pillars of the country, entertainment capitals, business capitals of the U.S., and three biggest cities in the country. So no debates there, right? No debates there. Those three are locked in at number ones. What about, all right, we need one more number one seed. And I have one in mind. I don't oh, know if you agree with me. What are you going to say? I want San Francisco. Really? Because, like, San Francisco is, I think, for one, the most beautiful area, you know, just geographically and visually in the U.S. It's it's most expensive, probably. It's very expensive. That's why everyone... <laughs> great coffee, though. Yeah, great coffee. Shout um, out also, Phil's is coming to Chicago, so thank you. You know what? Just because of that, San Francisco, okay, you're very, taking the last say, number one I need to make a case. Very unique scenery. And also, technically, I was born in that region where and San Francisco. I was born in Danville Danville I've been to Danville Illinois not Danville well, Danville California actually I maybe have gone through there I don't know spent a great there. two and a half to three years in my first oh, nice year. okay so there all right San Francisco's the number fourth number one seed let's fill out the twos this is tricky <laughs> um so <laughs> all right how about Washington DC why Capital of the United States, first of all. Kind of seems like a cop-out, but okay. I mean, there's so many things to do. It's uniquely historic. There's museums. There is unique views. A great running city. You know, wide sidewalks, long crosswalks. You can run all over. Like, the mall is nice. The mall. Not the mall mall. Like, the national mall. Okay. okay. (laughs) We're also including malls now into our vibe. Not the (laughs) JCPenney. Okay, fine. That can be it. So, Washington, D.C. I think we need to definitely include a place like New Orleans. Number two seed for New Orleans? I don't know. I don't know. New Orleans. To be honest, voodoo, New- going back to the retro. To be honest, thing New Orleans. Think- I mean, New Orleans is great. I don't know if it's deserving of a two seed. Maybe they went undefeated this year. Who knows? Well, actually, they didn't. They can't get a number two seed. Poor Drew Brees. Yeah. And the okay. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, guys. So, you, yeah, you can't. The, the penalty knocked them down. Because of that, seed. you're actually coming in at a four seed. Especially because they don't have. We're doing I mean, this out of order. We can talk sports too. Like they don't yeah, have. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they they only have a football team. They don't have a major league baseball team. That no one really cares about the Pelicans down there. I was in a cab there. I mean, yeah, the Anthony Davis thing definitely brings him down yeah, a few pegs. I was say, You're such a four seed. I was gonna. I was uh, in a cab a few months ago in New Orleans, and the guy said Pelicans could leave town tomorrow. No one would care. They're all about the Saints. So there you go. Yeah, great Saints football town, but uh, they're gonna be a four. You're definitely coming out coming out a four. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna say Philly deserves it on the two line somewhere. Are you just talking about this because of Bryce Harper? No, not because of Bryce Harper. Because it's a again history. 
They actually have been pretty good city at sports. City of Brotherly Love. Brotherly Love. Super Bowl winning city. The Sixers are, are coming up. The uh, Flyers have been good for a little while. It's a great sports city. Now, like you said, the Phillies and Bryce Harper. Jake Arrieta from the Cubs is there. He has really good social media content. And, you know and what? Fine. Philly reminds fine. me a lot of Chicago, not going to lie. I've I never mean, been. I like Chicago a lot better. I've only been to Philly for one extended weekend, but it's a good time. And it's similar to Chicago with a little more history, I'd say, and a little less charm. How about okay. that? Fine. I'm going to go west. We're putting Seattle as a number two. I have no arguments there. You you agree? <laughs> yeah, I agree oh, with that. Amazing. They have... I mean, we can shout out Original Starbucks is there, although that's not my favorite coffee place at all. Amazon. Amazon's there. Beautiful Pacific Northwest. Buy Portland. Go Trailblazers. Um, they yeah. can represent your Portland yeah. <laughs> ties, you know. P&W vibes coming strong from Seattle right now. Seattle, um, also great scene, scenic views there. Yeah, know? it's beautiful. All right. We got to round out the twos. How about, I'm thinking like Atlanta, Denver, or Miami. One of the or Vegas. Uh, Vegas is not uh, getting it. Okay. Vegas is an automatic four seed. Okay, put it, go ahead and put Vegas. Vegas on the is floor. an automatic four seed just because I just get a lot of stress coming. From, I don't think I'd thrive. I've only been there for volleyball tournaments. Okay. And like awkward family trips when we are too young to do anything. Uh, I've been several times. It's definitely an awesome destination. Um, but yeah, you always leave. You know, the flight back from Vegas is always. Uh, tough one. Let's just say that. You know? it's, it's, you're usually poor. You usually have a lot Probably less energy. Probably a little sun-kissed, though. Yeah. No, actually, I've been going in the winter the last couple of years. It's kind of nice. kind of a weird It's move. like six, 60 degrees. Nice. kind of a weird move. All right. Vegas on the four line with, no, with uh, Nola. How about Atlanta for number two? For number two? Yeah. You know what? Sure. All right. I've actually, I've never really been, like, to Atlanta. I've gone through it. I've stayed in, like, the suburbs. My family lived there prior to me being born, so, like, you, you, they loved it. You guys have been it. all over. All right. I mean, it's a it's such a hub in the South, you know. It's basically Chicago for everyone that went to SEC schools. Really? Yeah, like, people that I know... I've went never to, heard that. People that I know that went to SEC schools, they all just flocked to Atlanta for jobs, basically like how everyone flocks to Chicago for their 20s and to work kind of right out of school. Wow. Yeah. Maybe, I gotta, maybe we should go. I mean, it's like Atlanta and Dallas, pretty much, are like the ones where... Okay, speaking of Dallas, I think they got to go in the threes. Let's put Dallas in the threes. Like, Dallas is a fun town. I've never been. Dallas. I've only been to Texas once. And that was a San Antonio and Austin. And okay. Austin's one of our cities on there. But I don't think we can put Austin. I think Austin's on a matter I don't think we can seed. put two Texas's in three. I'm going to Austin next month so I can give better rankings okay. on this. But we're going to give them a four seed. Okay. I've been in Austin for like 12 hours, but I had a great time when I was there. <laughs> uh, and it's like a boom town. Like we don't really have any. What do you mean a boom town? Well, they don't really have a lot of professional sports in Austin. A boom town. As in like any? They don't have any, but it's, yeah. I, we need to have one sleeper slash Cinderella, a boom town. Yeah. Like oh, my God. Austin's our Cinderella story. It's rising, right? Fine. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, it's, it used to be just kind of a more of a college town. It's gotten bigger and bigger and kind of exploded, especially in the last... I love it. ...ten years or so. I think it's it's not quite the biggest city in Texas, but it's up there. Okay. we got to go Boston on a three-line. I was just yeah. going to say that. Boston Marathon is a lifelong dream of mine. Hopefully, I get to do that one day. And the themes in this, like, try to choose cities that have character, unique, you know, Boston... Talk about history. Boston definitely has the history... Um, they've got the accent. Love, they've got, it. Love it all. Fenway Park. By far the best sports teams, I hate to say. Um, I mean, yeah, at 2018. Yeah, you, you can't really beat. Um, I guess what, what Boston has is the unique kind of vibes that a city that was left off might not have. So yeah. Boston earned its way on. I think we got to put Indian Indy in the threes. I'm putting Indian four. Really? I mean, Indy's a great event city. Don't get me wrong. But... 
I'll leave it at that. I think we should wow, put it. Okay. I think we should put it on Hot the floor. take. It's which, a four meaning seed. All we have left is to place Denver and Miami, which are kind of dark horses, but we'll put them. Put Denver and Miami. Yeah, Miami's kind of in the same Vegas realm for me. You know, it's like to have a good experience there. You need to, either need to have a lot of money or I feel like it's a know lot the of right like people. Dancing, yeah. and clubbing. I feel like but you love to dance. Beautiful beach. Um, definitely a vibrant city. I can feel really, like thriving with Pitbull there. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Mr. Worldwide. I went to spring Alex break there, Rue. my senior year there. Senior year. Wow. Been a couple of Say times. no more. You went there. I went to beautiful Gulf Shores, Alabama. So I mean I went to PCB, that's pretty much the same thing <laughs> years before that. So Okay, we got our bracket. Right, we've got our bracket. Quick pause. You won't notice this, but we're gonna pause and write all the uh, lines out here and be right back and we'll go through the first round. All right, we're back. We've got the bracket laid out and we're gonna run through the first round, the sweet sixteen round of our cities and we didn't really plan this beforehand except for the cities that we that would be in it um so this is all kind of off the cuff so right at the top we've got number one seed new york city versus number four seed indianapolis this should not be much of a fight <laughs> well based off this, of your glaring like shade you're throwing at indy no, without even no, saying indy is what it is it's a it's a solid town great events that are put on there but i mean come on new york has Pretty much everything you don't I, want to do. I'm not disagreeing. I, I think it's a very favorable one. See, they're the Duke of our bracket. I will say, when I, you know, you go overseas, everybody wears New York I know. gear. Because that's like what they associate with the U.S. So it's Completely. Good, but it can't be eliminated in the first round. It's it's moving on past Indy. Okay. All right. Next yeah. matchup. We have Miami, D.C. This is a tricky one. Alex, I feel like you have you wanted both of these cities in it the most, so this one... Well, have you been to either one? No, which is okay. hilarious. So, like, I haven't been to our nation's capital. An, I know that's a problem. As an outsider, what would you pick? Um, definitely D.C., but that's just because I'm a little bit intimidated by Miami. Okay. I'm, and I'm also, also, like, a, a lot of... like I have a, I have a good amount of friends from D.C. I'm not nearly, like, tan enough or, like, good-looking <laughs> enough to, like, flourish in Miami. But I feel like you love the pit bull scene. Uh, <laughs> Maybe in like small quantities, but I hope I'm putting your image really well right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna put go DC. I've got friends there. You know, okay. it's fun to visit, and I'm gonna lump Baltimore in with DC too, just because it's in that DMV area. Um, shout out, you know, my guys out there. We'll put DC and NYC and East Coast clash there. Ooh, that'll be good. This one's really hard. This next one, not for me. I mean, I obviously have. I thought, okay, it's Chicago versus Austin. Yeah, well, number one seed Chicago versus number four Austin. Um, I'm biased because. I live in Chicago. Obviously, you do too. I Colleen, mean, yeah, but, but like I just you're not have from this, this area, so I just have this weird fascination. I'm. I know I said I'm going next month, but I just feel like I'm gonna love Austin. But, I'm sure you will. But I feel like we. Here's the thing. Austin's like that <laughs> building, like budding D1 program that is like has a bright future. They're like I bet v, they have an amazing. They're coach, like a VCU, you know? a Wichita State. Tim Miles would be their coach. because like everyone the, loves. They're him. the Butler of like a few years ago. You know, the, they have promise. They can maybe make a national title run, but. Not in this tournament because Chicago's Chicago like a blue blood. Be, yeah, Chicago's not <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, Shy City. Now we have Denver versus Philly. All right, two, two, the excuse me, two seed Philly versus three seed Denver. Um, this is tough. I'm gonna go definitely Denver based upon the outdoor activities. Yeah, there's mountains. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Skiing in the summer, hiking or <laughs> skiing in the winter, hiking in the summer. You could ski in the summer, I guess. I guess it depends. I'll, I'm with you on that. Okay. I'll go Denver over Philly. I'm I'm not biased right. enough toward Philly that I feel like that's an upset at all. This next matchup um, is very easy for me, but at the same time a little bit um, battle of the Yeah, what, this is like cloud? your biased one. Uh, <laughs> L.A. Really. versus Vegas. Uh, depends what you're going for if you what? visit either, either of these cities. Like, 
Well, can you, we go LA parentheses inland, aka La Cunada, Pasadena? Yeah, it's like all SoCal pretty much. I feel okay, like if you well, talk about easy. LA, then you're going all those cities. You're talking about Malibu, you know, you're talking Manhattan Beach. Like, you're literally just so many miles are going into what you think LA is, but okay. But like, that's what I feel like anyone that doesn't live there considers, you know, Pasadena, all that stuff. So if you hate traffic, you probably would vote for Vegas on this one. <laughs> um,. I don't know. Thoughts? Well, I'm obviously voting for it. LA's advancing. Vegas is not beating Vegas us. Vegas is on the come up. They got a hockey team now. They're getting so the Raiders. Who cares? They're getting the Raiders. No. All right. I'll cede to your expertise. And Come on. We've got Le- like a bunch of LeBron drama right now. That's so- super fun yeah. and exciting. Yeah. I mean, there's always Hollywood stuff And going if we're on. lumping just like all of Southern California, Manny Machado going to the Padres. Like, okay. Well, grandfather San Diego into this discussion well, too. Basically your, LA. Your geographic regions the don't Chargers, make sense. The Chargers basically said this is basically LA. We're moving to yeah. You know, 80 miles north or whatever it is to, to L.A. So, sure. L.A. advanced <laughs> past Vegas. All right. Two-seed Boston versus three-seed Seattle. Wow. That one's kind of hard for me. What are your thoughts? I, I haven't been to Seattle since I was, like, actually young. I went to Boston in high school, I believe, and, like, did kind of all the touristy things. Went I to, went to both of those cities went last year. to a Red year. Sox game. All right, I, so this is you. Like, I... I've, I, I went to a baseball vote. game in both cities the last time I was in both cities. I would probably vote Boston, but... I'll let you decide this one because you've been to both more recently. I honestly, Boston just like, I don't want to give them any more success this year. I know, they win everything. I just have such a bias against but, them. Yeah. And like, Seattle's got like their like PNW vibes. Seattle doesn't really have an accent though, you know what I mean? Which Seattle's is cool. so many transplants. What do you mean? What's wrong with the transplant? I mean, it's just not as authentic. Like, Boston has like Southie and like people that are from there and they have the acting scene. They have Matt Damon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, have, actually, have, Goodwill Hunting yeah, is a exactly. fair argument to include Mark Wahlberg, Boston. come on. Okay, I do respect all of that. God, that's really hard. I just feel like Boston is more of a is more of a entrenched American city with history, and it's just got a little more unique flavor. I don't know. You know what? Your argument was stronger than right. mine. Boston, Boston, it is. Boston, it is. But Seattle, I see you. All right, San Francisco versus, versus New Orleans. We're going near the bottom of the bracket now. We're almost done. Um, I don't really see this as a contest. I feel like NOLA is like you could spend like a weekend there yeah. and you'd be like tapped out for quite some no, that's time. That's true. I can speak to Like that. how much crawfish no, can I you No, I mean eat? San Francisco. If we're including San Diego in L.A., we have to include like <laughs> Oakland, Berkeley, even okay. maybe San Jose, like in this area. Danville. So. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, whole, the Bay Area, you know, it's just – Okay. Aside, aside from the insane prices – Silicon Valley. There's so much to do. Yeah, like, Silicon Valley, too. Thanks, tech, tech World. All right, we're on the same page with that one. San Francisco it is. All right, the last matchup from our first round. This at, one's tough. Atlanta versus Dallas. Also a lot of transplants, I feel like, in both these cities. Um, I don't know how I feel about that take on cities. I mean, I don't mind it. It's just like, I feel like it's... It's more of a melting pot. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like, necessarily hold it against them. I just feel like Boston was unique because, like, I feel like Boston is such a... I don't know. Like I said, entrenched culture. Boston's not in this region. We're that, not talking about Boston. See, I know. I was just saying that was my example. So oh. Atlanta has a great music scene. I'll say that. I've heard Dallas has good food. I've never been to Dallas. They've got the honky tonk going for them. What's that? You know, mean? like like just like with the Western like n- no, cowboy, honk, like the honky tonk where you do like the dance and stuff. Yeah, like the cowboy stuff. Yeah, which is fun. It has its own vibe. But Atlanta again has like so much the culture, music. I understand music. what you're saying. They had the Super Bowl this year, which sucked, though, so maybe that's not necessarily... They have new stadiums everywhere, which I don't know if that's a great thing. They have a new soccer team in Atlanta that gets, like, that fills up the stadium. I think we should go Atlanta for this one. Wow. I'm, because, one, I don't think we have enough upsets. 
I think Atlanta, as a three seed, has a strong case <laughs> against number two Dallas. I mean, Dallas, here's the thing. One, we already have two Texas teams in this. I know Austin got eliminated by Chicago, but, like, does Dallas really stand out even in its own state that much? That's what I want to know. Wow, that's a hot cow- It does have the Cowboys, which is America's team. Yeah, so. there you go. But, like, we didn't even mention Houston. They didn't make our top 20 here or whatever. Well, are San we, Antonio. Inclu- are we inclu- including Houston in the Dallas region? No. No, it's a different city. Um, <laughs> I think you could say that. Okay. I don't know. I'm putting Atlanta. Oh, wow. Okay. Ex- executive Exec- decision. Uh, you didn't make a strong case either way. I, so. I was a little fickle. I'm not going to lie. All right. We have it. All right. So we'll pick it up next week. Um, our Elite Eight. Not a whole lot of shockers here, but I think it'll get interesting as we go along. It's going to get interesting. I mean, we got an NYC, potential NYC-Chicago matchup, but right now we have NYC versus D.C., Chicago versus Denver, L.A. versus Boston, San Francisco versus Atlanta. So maybe, like, next round we'll have to we'll help decide. We'll have to tell our own, like, tell a story from when we were there. Or something yeah, like yeah, yeah. We'll spice it up. Because yeah. I'm sure everybody cares about our super biased opinions yeah. towards America's cities. I mean, nothing offends people more than, like, disparaging. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so this could get... If people actually listen, this could get uh, a little dicey. So I can't. Maybe see. we'll get some backlash. We'll see. But right. uh, real quick before signing off, I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but it blew my mind, and I just discovered it last night while grocery shopping. Where did you go? I went to Jewel. Um, right Jewel Osco. House. A lot yes. of people might not know what that is. Yeah. I didn't know what it was until like a year ago. Okay, Jewel Osco, and they've got a sketchy mascot. Anyways, continue. I didn't realize. That in any grocery store, you know when they have the deals, the yellow tag that, that gives you the deals? Of, yes. Like but you have two to be for a member. four, some places, but not a jewel. So two for four, you know, whatever. You know, I like my soup for lunch. I got two for four cans of soup. Alex only eats soup. They also had these, uh, the P3 protein packs, you know, where you get like the little cashews, the cheese, and the, the half okay. of meat. <laughs> and the deal for that was 10 for 10. So it said 10 for You're $10. You're like, I'm in. I'm like, I'm in. I put 10 in my cart, and my roommate is like, you know, you don't have to get. 10 it's just trying to tell you the fraction or like the the, the ratio the amount like it's it's trying to say you get like one like each one is a dollar i thought you had to get the amount on the thing like the amount that it said i thought if it's Doesn't two it? for four yeah you can't just get one it'd be like 215 but, but that's what he was saying and like we asked the cashier and they confirmed it that like unless it says you must buy one to get <gasps> so and so it's just like a marketing thing one, to communicate the deal, but also to, like, it probably is kind of sneaky. Like, they want, they want you to buy That is it. sneaky. I know. I've always thought it's, like, you have to buy the quantity. No, no. And I'm still not convinced, but... I don't love that. Uh, yeah, I've been shopping the wrong way my whole life, if that's true. Like, I could have just gotten one quantity. Is that just, like, unique to Jewel Osco? Or is this no, every market? Every, every grocery store. And, like, so the so the, the yellow tag price, unless it says otherwise, is a replacement for the original price. That seems It's not outrageous. like you need a certain quantity. I know. I I don't. I'm a little <laughs> shell shocked still by this. We're jaded. So by the deals of Julaska. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I still got the ten packs because I maybe we'll incorporate every hometown's um local market <laughs> or grocer into It'll, next week's because that's actually have well, a lot of opinions. We got when rid it comes of we got rid of Miami already, so there's no Publix. I don't know what that is. But never been to Publix. No. But you got Ralphs and Vons in L.A. Those are great. Trader Joe's is originally from California. They have Wawa in D.C. They What's have it in a Philly. Wawa? It's in Philly. Okay, well, we'll save that for next time. Um, I hope you didn't lose too much money to Jewel Osco. Yeah, That's a bummer. It was worth it. But uh, everyone, go enjoy the first week of Maniac March. What do we? What do, what's our? What's our branding? Did we think of that? The big men's basketball competition. <laughs> the uh, that's no. about as good as like any other brand comes. Up. We'll work so on we'll it. That. But, all right, everyone. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Signing off. See you next week.
All right. Thanks once again to Dion, Harold, and Colleen for joining the show. A lot of good stuff from all of them. And hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as you'll enjoy the next few days of college basketball. Coming up Thursdays is just absolute madness usually. I love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully uh, you can sit at the office from 11 a.m. or whenever the games start until, I guess, 11 at night. I'll be here watching uh, the late games. I think Purdue has a late game on Thursday night. So it'll be a ton of fun. Can't wait for the next three weeks. And hopefully a Big Ten representative or two makes it to Minneapolis uh, and represents in the Final Four. So until then, we'll be uh, continuing our interviews every step of the way. We'll get some interviews definitely done um, for Minneapolis with the dignitaries and representatives and everyone that will be there, um, Big Ten related or not. But uh, yeah, like I said, until then, stay tuned. We'll carry you through the tournament. Thanks, as always, to everyone for listening. Thanks to my producers, Wes White and Julie Bronder, for helping out. And we will talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast.